Here's Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Media. Dun, da, da, da. The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E K O health.com. And use code PAPA for $50 off the stethoscope of your choice. Welcome to Nurse Papa, a podcast from the heart and mind of a pediatric oncology nurse and father. In each episode, I take a deep dive into a story of parenthood, or I tackle a parenting question from one of my loyal listeners in a segment called Dear Nurse Papa. In either case, I hope to come out on the other side with a better understanding of what makes kids and their parents tick. Welcome back to Nurse Papa. As you might have noticed, I stepped away from the mic for the month of December. It was my hope to regroup a little bit and set my intentions for life and this podcast for the new year. It was a meaningful time and I even built a chicken coop in which there will soon be living some very urban chickens. But now I'm back with a coming to America story and some very profound lessons in life found in a common fruit. But before we get to that, let's hear from our sponsor. When I listen to little hearts and lungs at work, I use my 3M Litman Core digital stethoscope powered with advanced echo core technology. With the press of a button, the sounds I hear can be enhanced 40 times from this to this. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And use code PAPA for $50 off the stethoscope of your choice. And now, this week's story. Lessons in life from my Indian father-in-law and watermelon. About the time the pandemic began, my six-year-old daughter made it very clear that she was ready to cut her hair. Her friend from Zoom school had amazing bangs, and my daughter wanted them too. She needed them, actually. Without dissecting the delicate difference between what my daughter wants and what she actually needs, her request left me feeling ambivalent. Hmm? A simple trim should not have felt like such a big deal, but somehow it was. Hmm. My wife has never cut her hair. When unleashed, it flows almost down to the back of her knees like some kind of bouffant waterfall. Although I adore it, this length of hair is not a fashion choice. According to her, it's actually quite hard to manage and often super annoying. Yet she maintains it like it is. My wife, whose parents hail from Punjab in northern India, was raised practicing Sikhism. In that religion, men and women often refrain from cutting their hair. The men grow long beards which are intricately twisted and tucked along with their uncut locks under a turban wrapped around their heads. The women, also may wear their long hair tied back or covered. The reasons for this tradition are varied, but many who practice it will say that it is a sign of devotion and that hair is a gift from God and should be left intact. Others might say that it's just a tradition. It's what their parents do, so they do the same. 
I'm not sure why it matters to me that my autonomous daughter follows the traditions of a culture that is not even mine, and that only represents half of the familial traditions which preceded her. But somehow, it does. My hesitation does not seem to matter though. My daughter soon got her bangs trimmed to her exact specifications. Her free-thinking mom, who acknowledges that our children should not necessarily be wed to the traditions of their parents, was a willing stylist. Just another early morning pandemic haircut in the setting of our cluttered kitchen. My wife used a pair of blunt scissors that five minutes earlier had been used to cut construction paper. Now, it's impossible for me to imagine my daughter's cute little face not framed as it is. Those wavy bangs are absolutely her. My hesitation to this new hairstyle has led me to ponder which traditions I should help to pass down to my kids and what I should hold sacred for myself as well. With this in mind, I am inevitably reminded of my wife's father, Dr. Devinder Singh, my father-in-law, otherwise known as Nanu. He first arrived to America in 1971 with a winter coat on his back and exactly $7 in his pocket. It was the middle of a frozen January. The sky was snowing and the wind was blowing. He had come from India all the way to the United States to practice medicine in an urban Chicago hospital, but that was certainly not where he started. He was born in a small village in northern India called Nehranwala. As the old saying goes though, you can never really go home. In Devinder's case, this truth was by necessity. After partition in 1947, the tiny village of Nehranwala soon became part of a newly formed Pakistan. Growing up, Devinder was a farm boy, as accustomed to caring for crops and water buffaloes as he now is caring for human patients. He is no longer a boy in body, even though he often resembles one in heart. But in his own way, he is still very much a farmer. On the one acre of land surrounding his Southern California home, he has planted about 60 fruit trees, which he cares for regularly and harvests from. His arboreal collection consists of persimmons, tangerines, lemons, pomegranates, apricots, mulberries, oranges, guavas, jaman Indian berries, lagats, and one enormous fig tree, which has never been trimmed or tamed. <laughs> Devinder and my mother-in-law, Ravinder, harvest and dry these sweet fig jewels every season and offer them out to all who enter their home. Actually, they offer just about anything edible just about all of the time. This is a feature of Northern Indian culture that took me a while to get used to. If you happen to be in the vicinity of either of my in-laws without some form of food in your hand or mouth, they sense it. They then immediately descend upon you with offerings of various fruit, nuts, vegetables, sweets, and a variety of other edible items. Often, I have politely declined the offerings of more rajma, which is an Indian red bean dish, or roti, which is northern Indian flatbread, only to be asked a minute later if I have changed my mind. Sometimes my in-laws don't even seem to recall their most recent offering. More times than not, it is far easier to accept the delicious food and also accept that I am becoming fatter as a member of this Punjabi family. 
When we visit Nanu and Nani's home, which is grandfather and grandmother in Punjabi, my two kids disappear almost instantly with their two cousins and their turbaned Nanu into the vast wilderness that is Nanu's orchard backyard. It's an attractively savage piece of land. Draped like a prickly verdant blanket over an impossibly steep hillside, there are rickety steps winding throughout clumps of spiky cactuses and forbidding shrubs. The integrity of these old and often rotted wooden steps is questionable for my adult-sized bulk, especially after Nani's generous lunch, but they seem to support the light weight of Nanu and my self-like kids quite well. The kids return back to the nest often many hours later, with dirty knees and an array of foxtails stuck in their hair and clothes. They bring back with them stories of prehistoric bugs discovered, tales of near-missed accidents, and also with hands full of fruit that Nanu picked and then dispersed to the natives. One of those fruits, the Jaman Indian berry, causes the eater to experience an unforgettable dry mouth sensation. Not long after I became engaged to his daughter, Devinder casually offered me a Jaman berry, but he did not inform me of this side effect. <laughs> it was my first and last gentle hazing. Welcome to the family. Hello. Of all the fruit that Nanu's land generously provides though, one of the most important to his household does not grow there at all. This magical oblong fruit is the watermelon. Although Nanu does not grow the watermelon himself, his thoughtful process of procuring, consuming, sharing, and ultimately disposing of the watermelon is where his lessons in living a good life begin. These are not lessons that Nanu ever intended to teach, but in the tradition of the sagest gurus, Nanu's lessons are mostly by example. Number 1. Nanu does not procure his watermelons in a haphazard manner. He is most particular about the quality of the fruit as well as its price. He will strategize his fruit buying as he travels between hospitals in the course of a day's work, taking into account how much fuel he is expending between stops and always buying the best fruit for the lowest price. This is Nanu's first lesson. Get the best, but pay the least. Number 2. Much like his approach to life, Nanu has an entirely unique approach to melon fruit. Nanu never slices a watermelon in half and then into smaller crescent-shaped wedges like normal humans do. No. Instead, he extrudes a generous square-shaped wedge from the side of the melon and offers it unceremoniously to a grandson or daughter nearby. Each subsequent cut further enlarges the square opening, bit by bit, but maintains the outside rind around the melon, and thereby, the moist integrity of the remaining fruit flesh below. If melon is not in high demand when it is first offered, this method allows for a convenient and efficient natural storage container, until someone else is hungry. This is Nanu's second fruit secret, and also one of his life creeds. Waste not, one not. Or in Punjabi, Barbad na karo. Number 3. Nanu's third lesson, taught through the watermelon, is all about family. Of course, 
the watermelon is intended to satiate bellies and titillate taste buds. But just as a jam and Indian berry is meant to dry out the mouth of unsuspecting son-in-laws, its most important purpose is to bring the family together. As Nanu unceremoniously makes his first cut into the thick rind, all the grandkids descend upon him like wild African dingoes. We parents follow too, armed with magazines and drinks to be consumed under the hot Southern California sun. We come for the food and drink, of course, but these things are not our primary motivation. We are here to be together. The watermelon brings us all together. This is Nanu's third lesson. Family is always first. Nanu's fourth and last lesson in life through the lens of the watermelon is perhaps my favorite though. Nanu does not believe in throwing the watermelon rind into the trash or even the compost. To add to the waste would be such a waste. When Nanu is done with the fruit part of the melon, he tosses the uneaten portion into the wild garden behind the porch so it can again join the earth. His grandkids have learned to copy this nonchalant redistribution of fruit wealth. At any given time, there must be hundreds of pieces of watermelon rind riddled upon Nanu's hillside, all in different states of decomposition. Nanu is not a fancy man. He believes in living a good and simple life. He believes that there are many more important goals than wealth and recognition. When it's my time to go, it's my time to go, he often says. How Nanu treats the watermelon is a perfect metaphor for this mode of living, and his last lesson too. Enjoy the fruit with your family, laugh and play and wonder. When it's time to go, don't hold on too tight. Toss that rind over your shoulder. Let it land where it lands. Next week, we'll talk all about Nanu's mangoes. Remember, Nurse Papa is also a book. Within it, you'll find stories that might just change how you look at life and indeed parenting. Nurse Papa has been my labor of love, but it offers much more than my own perspective. You'll learn from the voices of seasoned nurses, some of my young patients and these patients' parents, each adding their own personal perspective about love, life, death, and learning. Nurse Papa is now available for purchase on Amazon and other bookseller sites. Please consider picking up a copy and, when you're done, leaving a public review on Amazon, Goodreads, or anywhere else where people go to find meaningful books. Thank you so much for your support, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Nurse Papa Podcast.